You are tuned to KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's 6 p.m. Thursday, April 7th. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. In the California report, Sacramento police sift through hundreds of tips from the public in their search for multiple suspects in last weekend's shootings. To fill a massive tech labor shortage, American companies are looking across the border to Tijuana and finding plenty of well-trained workers. After regional news and weather, Liv Desitel of KVMR's Youth News Corps investigates funding shortages at the Bear River High School Library. We end with an essay by Molly Fisk. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Sacramento police now believe at least five individuals fired guns in the downtown shooting that left six dead and 12 injured early Sunday morning. From Sacramento, CAP Radio Scott Rod reports. Police are still searching for multiple unnamed suspects who allegedly participated in the mass shooting over the weekend. Two suspects in custody face charges directly related to the shooting. A third faces a charge of illegally possessing a gun police believe was not fired during the incident. We're definitely seeing clear indications that gang membership or gang affiliation played a role in the shooting. Chad Lewis is a spokesperson for the Sacramento Police Department. He would not elaborate further on any alleged connection to gangs. Police found over 100 shell casings at the scene, extending over several blocks. One suspect is charged with illegal possession of a pistol converted into a machine gun. That handgun was definitely modified from its factory condition with an aftermarket component that made it capable of firing that automatic gunfire. The department has received over 200 photos, videos, and other pieces of evidence through its online portal. For the California Report, I'm Scott Rod. Since 1959, California's Commission on Peace Officer Standards and Training, or POST, has set rules of conduct for law enforcement in the state. Today, the commission will hold a special meeting to work on defining what kind of police misconduct is serious enough to revoke an officer's badge. KQED's Suki Lewis reports. Last year, the state passed Senate Bill 2, which requires police officers to be certified and grants POST the power to revoke certification for serious misconduct, such as dishonesty, abuse of power, and sexual assault. The commission is tasked with defining the specific criteria for decertification. It is also in the process of hiring for over 120 positions in a new unit that will be dedicated to certification and accountability. Post has until January of next year to implement the new law. For the California Report, I'm Suki Lewis. There were nearly 1 million unfilled IT jobs in the U.S. last year, according to federal employment data. That's a problem for tech companies, but an opportunity for IT professionals in Mexico. KPBS border reporter Gustavo Solis explains how Tijuana is becoming more than a manufacturing hub. Maritza Diaz is the founder and CEO of iTijuana, a company that connects American businesses with Mexican tech workers. Her clients are mostly companies based in San Diego, and all of them seem to be having the same problem. Every time I ask my potential customers, what is your biggest problem? It's no longer the cost. The previous problem is just able to hire. They don't care where and how they want to hire because of all of this acceleration. Particularly here in California, when we compete with the big tech of Googles and Facebooks and AWS, it's almost impossible for mid to small companies to hire because they 
every software engineer wants to go work there in the big tech. Diaz says everyone is struggling to hire software developers right now, particularly small to medium-sized companies who keep losing talent to tech giants like Google, Facebook, and Amazon. She views it as an opportunity for Tijuana. Traditionally, the tech sector has relied on countries like India and China to fill the labor gap, but companies no longer need to go that far. For us, being in San Diego, in this beautiful area, when Tijuana is only 20 to 30 minutes down the road, it does not make any sense to go to India or to go to China or the Philippines or anywhere but here. Tijuana offers several advantages. Developers there are highly trained, their salaries are half of what companies would pay in the U.S., and they avoid the logistical hurdles that come with hiring people half a world away. iTijuana started in 2019 and has already produced roughly 700 engineering jobs. Two of those went to Rachel Reyes and Andre Patino. I think there's a lot of opportunities here in Tijuana. That was Reyes, who started as a trainee and now develops mobile apps for a biomedical company. Patino collaborates with developers based in San Diego on a daily basis. So when you actually start working with people from the USA or from India or for different places, um, you start to learn from them and they start to learn from you. So it, it's a really fun thing to, to collaborate with different cultures and different environments. They're both aware that they're getting paid a lot less than what developers make in California. But they also say Tijuana's cost of living is much lower. So for them, it kind of evens out. Plus, Patino says that their education is way more affordable. I, I've heard the stories of people taking years and years to pay their student loans. Uh, Mexico is way more accessible. Um, we don't pay nearly as much as, as the U.S. does in university. But I do think they do a great job at, at teaching us. Diaz doesn't see the U.S. labor shortage getting any better in the short term. She thinks Tijuana has the potential to become Mexico's next big tech hub for a couple of reasons. First, the sheer number of openings means that visas for skilled labor are no longer a viable option. The H-1B visa program is capped at 65000 which is not nearly enough to fill the gap. Plus, companies can save a lot of money by hiring in Mexico. When you bring the worker here to the U.S., you're now paying U.S. salaries, right? I don't see any reason why companies need to apply for visas like that when they can actually drive 30 minutes and be there and have hundreds of engineers in Tijuana. Tijuana is a sister side of San Diego, so there's no reason to bring them here. They're already here. For young Tijuanenses, this means having an opportunity in tech without having to leave their hometown. So I think it can go way big. So um, I think there's definitely a lot of, of room for improvement, but the potential is there. So I think with the right focus and the right work, we can get it to grow into the next big tech hub. For the California Report, this is Gustavo Solis in Tijuana. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine. Protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash AdaptingCare. Hint. Fruit infused water in over 25 flavors. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from DrinkHint.com. Hint. Water with a touch of true fruit flavor. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. 
And that is this edition of the California Report for Thursday, April 7th. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. Remember to check out our daily podcast. Find it and subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. In regional news, the Nevada County Library announced on Ubinet.com today that it has six free vehicle day-use passes to California State Parks to check out to patrons with library cards. The Parks Pass program helps reduce economic barriers so that people who may not otherwise have access can visit state parks. The passes are available at the library as part of a partnership between California State Parks and the California State Library. The Madeline Helling Library in Nevada City will hold two passes, and the Grass Valley, Penn Valley, Truckee, and Bear River libraries will each hold one pass. They can be reserved in advance and checked out for seven days at a time with no renewals. Only one pass can be checked out at a time. If you're planning a visit to Hidden Falls Regional Park over spring vacation, Placer County is advising that Hidden Falls will require visitors to obtain a parking permit from April 9th to April 22nd. Parking reservations are required year-round on weekends, holidays, and peak use days. Historically, the number of visitors traveling to the park outnumbers available parking spaces during the spring vacation period. Hidden Falls is open from a half hour before sunrise to a half hour after sunset every day of the year. The parking permits can only be purchased at the Placer County website. Caltrans is alerting motorists to expect travel delays and one-way traffic control on State Route 193 outside of Newcastle in Placer County for the next few weeks for the construction of two turnouts. Beginning Tuesday, work will begin to construct a westbound turnout just east of Whittington Drive. On or about Monday, April 18th, construction crews are expected to begin working on an eastbound turnout between Summer Star Way and Skyview Drive. Motorists should expect 20-minute delays between 7 a.m. and 5 p.m. on weekdays. Turning to regional weather, as the National Weather Service in Sacramento tweeted this afternoon, the weather roller coaster will continue over the next few days. Our region will have one more unseasonably hot day, then cooler temperatures and gusty winds on Saturday and Sunday. The next chance of precipitation is Monday. This evening in Nevada City and Grass Valley, mostly clear with a low in the mid-50s and winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Friday, mostly sunny with a high near 83. Friday night, mostly clear with a low around 50. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 39. On Friday, mostly sunny with a high near 67 and a low near 32. Southwest winds 5 to 10 miles per hour are expected to increase to 10 to 15 miles per hour in the afternoon, with gusts as high as 25 miles per hour. Friday night, mostly clear, with a low near 32. In Sacramento and Woodland this evening, mostly clear, with a low of 57. Mostly sunny Friday with a high near 91. Friday night, mostly clear with a low around 55 and southwest winds of 9 to 14 miles per hour with gusts as high as 21 miles per hour. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR.
Next, in the third installment of our Recognition of National Library Week, reporter Liv Desitel of KVMR's Youth News Corps investigates funding shortages plaguing the library at Bear River High School. Liv also looks into ways students have mobilized to help out. The Bear River High School Library is currently under complicated financial stress, creating interesting problems for the Bear River High School librarians in providing the literary resources that students need. It's not uncommon for schools to have a lack of funds from the state and district, such as in art and music programs, but would you expect the libraries to be affected? Here to comment on the issue is head librarian Christina Struva. Can you describe the library's current financial standing? Well, right now the library is running in a little bit of a deficit. We have we have debt. Um, we had a $2,400 budget for this year, and 1800 of that got taken up by our, our library database where we check books in and out. And then that only left us with $600 for books, but we spent quite a bit more than that. So we're in a little bit of debt. One could argue that the budget is completely insufficient. The library cannot function without the database, but it takes up 75% of the budget. How much or what would the library need to reach what you would call perfect? How much more per year? I think it would be great at Bear River if we could get $2,000 more a year in order to purchase books the books that are high interest that mm-hmm. teens want, or so teen like more than one copy of the really high interest ones so kids can read books with their friends. Especially this year, I've had a lot of interest in the books that kids have seen on TikTok through their Book Talks feature. So they get super popular and then they have to wait. Today, with teenagers' access to technology, you would think reading is out of style. With social media influence, reading is in the trends for a lot of teens. Without proper funds, the library can't keep up. What do you and the other librarians do to help the situation? So we, I buy books. We have a list in the library where kids can come and sign up for books that they really would like to have. It's not often you hear that your librarians buy books with their own money for the library. It shows how much they care for the students' learning. Luckily, there are ways to add on to their contributions. We keep a wish list on Amazon um, that's posted on the Bear River Library Facebook page where people can buy books and send them to the library. And also, I usually choose two or three each month that I would buy um, for kids, my, out of my, just out of my own money. This Amazon wish list is made up of books that Bear River students have requested. This list can be found on Facebook at Bear River High School Library. If donating books isn't your style, there is a way to donate directly to the library. Do you have a donation goal? Well, I think, um, I do think that the library could use about $2,000 more a year to go towards books, but I don't, you know, anything helps, either books or money, anything would help get those books in the hands of the kids who are excited to read. Well, we did just set up a library club, and um, that allowed that would be a way where people could donate to the library if they wanted to. They could uh, write a check just to Bear River High School, and then in the memo, right, it's for the library club, and then that would go to the main office or to Adina in the student store, or it could be dropped off at the library. Or they can take a look on Facebook at any of our Amazon wish lists and purchase a book that they would really like to donate to the kids. 
Next, I spoke with the president of the library club and avid reader, sophomore Lily Steffen. How does it make you feel to know about the library's current situation? It makes me really sad um, seeing how the library isn't being used the way it should be. It makes me really upset because the library needs to be here for students to learn. And if we're not getting the new books that we need, it kind of, like, what's the point then? Lily is one of the many students that love having the library open. The books create a safe and intriguing environment for dozens of students. What have you done to help solve the problem? Well, I love the library, and I wanted to start this club, and I wanted to be a part of it to help get new books for students, to get them more engaged in getting more books that they would want to read, to have the library be used as what it's there for. Before this club was created, the library had no ways of accepting money as donations. When Lily heard about the financial situation, she stepped up and created the club. Historically, libraries have been incredible harbors of knowledge. They could be argued as some of the most influential places of education. To hear about the struggle and decline is saddening, but there is hope. If you feel inclined to donate, the donations are accepted through checks made out to Bear River High School with the library mentioned in the memo. You can also take a look at the Amazon wish lists that are posted on the Bear River High School Library Facebook page and donate actual books. Whatever method you may decide, just know you are making a positive difference in high school students' education. For KVMR News, I'm Liv Desatels. This story was produced as part of KVMR's Youth News Corps with support from the National Federation for Community Broadcasting and the Community Counts Initiative. For more information about Youth News Corps, visit kvmr.org slash youthnewscorps. And now, Molly Fisk. Molly Fisk, Observations from a Working Poet. A young man I know works at the register of my local coffee shop several days a week. This morning I kept looking at his face, thinking he must have shaved a beard or a mustache that I hadn't really noticed, because he looked so different. A haircut? I'd return my eyes to the poem I was hauling out of thin air and write a few more lines, only to glance up and be surprised all over again. You know the punchline, I'm sure you do but it took me most of the day before I stopped dead in my tracks and said, oh, for heaven's sakes, he wasn't wearing a mask. I'm still wearing a mask indoors unless I'm eating or drinking, and the staff at this coffee shop has been wearing masks until very recently. I don't trust myself to say today was the first day they didn't, because clearly I'm a little addled, but it was a new development. It turns out when you take off your mask, you have a different face. Thinking about all the faces I have not seen in the last two years makes me want to weep. How I have missed you all, uncovered, obvious, revealed. The eyes may be a window to the soul, but all those noses and chins, those lips, the range of expression and personality that we can see again, it's just glorious. In other news, April is National Poetry Month, and you know I love a poem. I also love a list for the way a few disparate items can gather themselves together and sneakily become profound when you least expect it. My first poetry teacher, Dorianne Locks, 
L-A-U-X, wrote a list poem about faces called Face Poem. You can find this online and in her book Facts About the Moon if you want to see what it looks like, but I'll read it to you. Face Poem Your craggy mountain goat face Your mole-ridden, whiskered, stumpy fish of a face Face I turn to, face I trust Face I trace with grateful fingertips Jaw like a hinge, washboard forehead The deep scar a gnarl along the scritch of your chin Your steep, crumbling cliff of a face Your U-Haul, bulldozer, crane of a face Face worthy of a thousand-dollar bill, a thickly poured, stamped, minted, and excavated coin. Your mile-high billboard of a face looming up from the pillow of size. Your used car lot of a face, the bumpers and sprung hoods and headlights of your eyes. Your diehard battery of a face, the pulpy pith of it the flare and slur and flange of your ears, the subterranean upthrust ridge of your nose, your many-planed, light-catching, shadow-etched face, your sallow, sun-racked, jowl-hung face, eye-flash in flesh folds, gunnel rope and upper-lip storm on the high seas thrash of a face, your been-there, done-that, anything-goes face, luck of the draw, Fabulous four clubs, five-knuckled slug of a face. Toss of the dice face. Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com. This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California. Funding is provided by Harmony Books of Downtown Nevada City and KVMR with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. That's our newscast. Coming up next at 6.30, it's Mark Cuneberti with Money Matters. At 7 p.m., it's Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. Then it's back to the music with Jazz Workshop at 8, hosted by Charles Athill, followed at 10 by Jive AF with Step D. Luna. KVMR Community Radio gets support from Harmony Books of Nevada City locally owned for over 25 years, next to the Chamber of Commerce at 130 Main Street. Open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 5.30, Sundays 11 to 4. Harmony Books carries thousands of books, including local authors. And MEC Builds, Nevada County roofing contractor with over 20 years of experience, providing complete roofing services, gutter products, sun tunnels, and skylights. MEC Showroom is at 316 Colfax Avenue, Grass Valley, mecbuilds.com. This is Joyce Miller signing off. Stay cool and join us Friday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.